It's great to hear you adults sing, but I love to hear the children sing. That's just awesome. Okay, so take your Bibles, if you would, and turn actually to Psalm 119. Um, this week, uh, with just the extra responsibilities with the nominating committee, as I was preparing the passage in Mark, and as I got to the end, I just thought, I, this is not well prepared. I need to take another week and look at this further. Didn't feel comfortable to come and preach a passage that I wasn't well prepared for. So we're going to look at Psalm 119 this morning, beginning in verse 9 and looking uh, through verse 16. So listen carefully as I read God's word to you this morning. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word that you've given to us this morning. And we know that you bring to us exactly what it is that, that we need to hear. And so, Lord, you know the weeks we've had, you know the things that are in our minds. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to lay aside those things. That, that we would listen, Lord, not just with human ability. But, Lord, we are asking for your Holy Spirit, for the presence of God to be with us this morning. And the preaching of your word, may you speak to us. And may we be people, Lord who respond in faith. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> as I was thinking about this passage, Psalm 119 is, is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's divided into uh, different sections. Uh, and it's eight verse sections. And it goes through the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Beth, and so on and so forth through that. And each verse starts with that letter, it was sort of a tool that was used to help uh, families to remember people, God's people, to remember uh, these things. They were they were that important. And so this morning we're going to to look at this text and uh, particularly the question that's posed to us. Now I don't know about you guys, but today, as I think about the times, I think that today is a scary time to be a parent. Uh, I have seven kids. I have 15 grandchildren here on this earth, and I could not imagine what it would be like to raise kids in this day and time. And, and actually, not, not just raising kids, I mean, I, just, just being a Christian is not easy in the day and time in which we live. So whether you have kids or not, it's a challenge. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how challenging it is to be single in this day and time in which we live and the temptations that are out there. I mean, the temptations are not just out there, but they come to you on your phone and on your computers and they come into your house. And so it's, it's all around us. And even just the strange ideas that are floating out there about relationships and what things ought to look like and sexuality and all the things that are, that are going on. 
And so it's really interesting as we come come to Psalm 119, and the psalmist asks this question, how does one keep their way pure? How does a young man keep their way pure? How does one live morally upright in such a godless age? How appropriate that we consider this question of the psalmist this morning. How can a young man keep his way pure? Now, my outline is very simple this morning. We're going to look at the question, or we're going to look at the answer. Okay, really complicated. But there's also an outcome, too. So there's a third point, too, that we're going to look at this morning. Now, uh, how, but, you know, I would be curious. I almost wish in one way that this was a Sunday school class, that I could ask you guys this question. You know, that you have somebody that comes to you, and they're struggling. Their kids are struggling. They're getting into some really bad stuff. And they come to you as a Christian brother or sister. And they're like, I need help. You know. And you may not even have kids. But they, they just feel so comfortable and, and just know where you are spiritually. That, that they need your help. And they ask you, what do I do? How do I help my kids keep their way pure? And, and I, like I said, I wish this was a Sunday school class so I could write your answers up on the board. You know, and, and get your answers and stuff. But, you know, we may say things like, well, you know, it, it would really help if you put your kids in a Christian school. Or, or even better yet, why don't you homeschool them? You know, maybe that's one answer we might hear. Or maybe you would say, well, I, you know, if I was you, I would get your kids away from those bad kids. Only let your kids hang out with Christian kids, you know, because bad company corrupts. And our kids need those positive role models and influences. So make sure that they have good friends. I think that's maybe what you ought to do. Or maybe other people might say, well, you know, you need to get rid of the TV and, and the computer in your house. You know, you need to play more board games as a family. Spend more time together as a family. Um, others may say, well, you know, you need to put an Internet filter on your computers because, you know, it's not just that kids are going out there looking for stuff, but stuff's looking for your kids. They're looking for you. They're coming after you aggressively, so you need to have some protection there. And, and all these things are great, okay? I'm not knocking them. I may say them as if I'm making fun of those answers. I'm not. Those are, those are very wise things as far as they go. But it's interesting, the difference that sometimes you hear, even in Christian circles, and what God's Word says about how a person keeps their way pure what God has revealed to us in his word. Now, before we get to the answer to this question, we need to understand that there's really sort of something implied in this question, okay? How does a young man keep his way pure? Uh, it really implies that, that a person is not pure, that, 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 that there's a struggle there with purity. And I think the King James sort of captures this a little bit. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way is actually how the King James puts it. But interestingly, as we, we, we look at this, sort of contrary to popular belief, our culture tells us that people are basically good. And the Bible says, yeah, that ain't true. You know, that's, that's not true. Uh, actually, the Bible says that from birth, we are polluted with sin. We, we are born sinners and we need cleansed. We are separated from God. And let me just share with you just, just a few verses that sort of talk to this. Uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 21 says, For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. 
David even goes farther than that. He says, well, let's go farther than that, back to the youth. David, in Psalm 51.5, says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. That's another word for sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, I, I was born in sin. And so I was a sinner from the beginning. And you go, oh, but those babies are so cute. Right? You know, well, you think that until 2 o'clock in the morning when they were saying, <laughs> I want to be fed! I want this diaper changed. And they want, you know, they want what they want and they want that now. And they show that as cute as they are, that they are born in sin. And they want to be the center of the universe. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then Paul goes on in chapter 3, verse 23 of Romans, and he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, we need to be aware of this evil that is even in the hearts of our young people as we think about the answer to this question. Because the generation in which we live has lost view of this and has lost view of the fact that why kids do the things they do. If you talk to parents, even Christian parents have been affected by this and have bought into this unconsciously. Um, you know, not all, but you know, all of us to probably some extent have, you know, that if you ask them, why do kids do the way, do the things they do? They're like, well, they're just kids or they're just two or they're just one and a half. So, I mean, you know, what, what can you expect? Or maybe teenagers, you know, you're just like, well, you know, they're just young people that they're just, you know, acted out the wild oats and we just act like it's no big deal. But the word of God, on the other hand, doesn't attribute our children's behavior to childishness or to ignorance, but to sin that is born in our children, even from birth. Our children are the sons of Adam and therefore will follow the course of the first Adam. And so there's a sense in which our kids, as wonderful as they are, as great as they are, there's an opposition to God in our children where they want to be God. If you joined us on Wednesday night, you probably heard the illustration that Paul Tripp gave. He said, you ever been in a store and you get right up to the checkout and they have all this junk that, you know, costs whatever. And, you know, they put it there intentionally to trap your kids because they're like, I want that, mommy, I want that. You know that it's going to break before you even get out of the store, right? And they want a fortune for you. So you're telling your kids no. And so what do they do? They go, ah! And they scream because they want that. And he says, basically what they're saying is, I want to be God. I want to speak and have it happen. You know, I want to will and it be done. And that's where we are. The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now, you might say, well, what about covenant children? What about kids that have grown up in the church? Doesn't the Bible say that if there's a believing parent, then, you know, then those kids are holy? And, and that's true. Yes, they are holy in the sense of being set apart. But as our children are baptized and made members of the church, they have all the advantages of covenant children, but they still, we need to bring the gospel to bear upon their hearts. They need to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to admit their sin and to believe in Him because they can only be pure, morally upright, and justified before God if they have been given a new heart, which comes as a place, as we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and what he has done on the cross and what he accomplished in his resurrection and uh, what he has shown us in his ascension as he sits at the right hand of the Father, even today ruling over his church. So it, it was to these kind of covenant children, we would call them church people today, that, uh, that David is, is speaking to. He's talking to kids who are part of the covenant community who probably would profess faith in Christ. And he asks, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, David wants them to live a blessed life. Now, we don't have the time, but in verses 1 through 8, you know, that's, that's really sort of the question. Verse, uh, Psalm 119.1, Blessed are those whose way are blameless. Anyway, he goes through and he talks about sort of that blessed life. And David wants them to have a blessed life, but he knows that the Word of God reveals that the heart of a young person is not pure at birth. And that's why we read things like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from the pure heart. There has to be a call to that purity because there are those youthful passions and lusts. But you know what? Um, the reality is none of our hearts are pure, are they? None of our hearts are pure. Uh, uh, we all are born in sin. So this isn't, while David addresses this to young people, it's not only applicable to young people. I mean, John writes to the church, to the church he writes this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And so, guys, this psalm applies to all of us. You know, we still struggle, even as Christians, with the, the remnant of the flesh, right? God has uh, addressed the power of sin. He has diminished the power of sin. He has dealt with the penalty of sin, but the presence of sin is still in our lives. We still are tempted. So, with all of that in mind, as far as the question, now let's look at the answer. How does a young man keep his way pure? How do we keep our way pure as God's people? Well, the psalmist says, by guarding it according to your word. It is the word of God that has power to guard our hearts. That is, to keep our hearts, to watch over, to preserve our hearts in this world in, in which we live. Young people, hear me today. Make God's word the rule of your life, the standard by which you live by, the, the guiding principle of your life. Young people, it is so important that you acquaint yourself with the Word of God. Get to know it. Get to know it. Know what God's Word says. Not just sort of generally, not just sort of vaguely, not just the Sunday school answers that Miss Robbie or Miss Katie are, are teaching you, but, but to know specifically what God's Word says. Do more than that even, though. Resolve that is determined to confirm to confirm yourself, to, to do it, to do what it says. You know, not only know it, but also to do it. And as you do so, the Word of God becomes a light to direct your life in this dark, sinful world. And, and you know, as you do that, you will be walking oftentimes in a path that's way different than other people around you. So you're going to look a little bit different. But the Lord is going to lead you in a path that is good. 
a path that is that is very gracious, a path that is morally upright and pure in this world. Now, parents, this, there's sort of an implication here for you in terms of this, that it's important that you saturate your kids in the Word of God, that you have them memorizing the Word of God, that uh, fathers, that you are having family worship, that there are times when your family pulls away to worship the Lord every day. It could be just 10 minutes. It could be just a brief time, but just a time where you read the Word, maybe after you eat dinner in the evenings, or maybe it's in the morning at breakfast time, whenever, but just that you have that time to, to spend with your family and the Word of God. But but also while you're walking, you know, maybe you're out for a walk and and you look up, and you see the sun, and you say to your little one, who made the sun? Who made the creation? And you're, you're, you're just reminding them what, what God's Word says. Maybe it's the kids that are fighting over a truck, right? And they're like, well, I had it first. No, I had it first. And they're fighting over it. And the reality is the world will tell you, you know, well, you just need to tell them to share or whatever. But the reality is both their hearts are in a bad place. Both their hearts are sinning. Because they both want what they want. They want to be in control. There's no love there for their brother in that moment in time. And it's so important as parents that we bring the word of God to bear upon their hearts so that they can see what is truly going on. Now, it's interesting. As, as we think about that, we oftentimes think about Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. And I want to read that passage, Deuteronomy 6. 4 through 7, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now, you know, that's what it says, that the Word of God cannot be just what we talk about at church. Because if you don't talk about the Word of God, if you, if you are not in the Word of God, if it's not part of your family, then your kids are going to grow up thinking that God only exists in the church. He has nothing to do with real life. But as you are in the Word of God and, and you're sharing that with your kids as they live, they see that God is with them their whole lives. Now, what I want you to notice about this passage is, though, that Moses, when he writes this, he says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the parents. He's talking to the covenant community. And he's saying, in essence, these words cannot be in the hearts of your kids if they're not first in your hearts as parents. You've got to know the Word. You've got to saturate yourself with the Word. You've got to be memorizing the Word. You've got to be looking at your life and saying, you know, what place does the Word of God play in my life? It has to be first priority. You know, it's not interesting that when we think of protecting the purity of our kids or even our own selves, we oftentimes think of things that are external, things that have to do with our behavior, whereas God, what does He do? He deals with our hearts. He deals with the fountain of our life. He deals with our hearts. And what He means by our hearts are our, our intellect, it's, it's our desires, it's our will. It's, it's everything inside of us, our, the internal part of us, uh, that, is to, that he deals with. He, he changes us from the inside out. Well, he says here that the word of God 
it, it exposes us. It, 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 excuse me. He, by guarding it according to his word. Um, he, he doesn't uh, simply say be exposed to the word of God and memorize it. it but uh, he also says in verse 10, let me not wander from your commandments. You know, we must make use of the word of God that it might direct us so we would not go off the wrong path. We must examine the Word of God to know what it says, not just what we think it says, but let it lead your life and direct you in what you do and, and not do. It must be sort of the corrector in your life. Uh, it must be that you are in the Word of God and as you are reading the Word of God, that as you come across things that it sort of exposes maybe sin that or practices that are, that are not godly, that you would change those things. It reminds me of Nicky Cruz. He was a Back in the 70s, to tell you how old I am, back in the 70s, he was a gang leader in New York. He was actually a, the leader of like the most vicious gang in New York City. And uh, he became a Christian. But after he became a Christian, he was still shacking up with his girlfriend. And then he was reading the Bible, and he read about how God's plan was not to live together, but to be married. And so he looked at his girlfriend and he says, we got to stop this. And I think they ended up getting married. But, you know, it's just, that's the corrector. That's, that's what the Word of God does in our lives. So we must constantly be looking at our lives and comparing it with God's Word. But, but I want you to understand, as you look at the beginning of verse 10, it, it's, it's more than, the Word of God is not just like a, a road map that leads you into right living. It's really more than that. Uh, the beginning of verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. You see, the Word of God really directs us to seek God Himself. Not just His Word. I mean, you don't separate those two things. I mean, if, if you were to talk about the character of a man and His Word, those two things should go together. And here again, you're talking about God and His character and God and His Word. Those things go together. But we are to seek God with our whole heart. Hiding God's word in your heart is not merely, like I said, a roadmap, but it really is directing us towards God. It's as we're reading the word of God, it's revealing to us who God is. It's showing us uh, how he works in, in our presence. It's, it's, it's causing us to, to love him more, to rejoice, to praise. As we saw in Sunday school, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, we're talking about the whole Trinity, but really, and how God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit his, his nature is to give, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he shows his love to his people. And as we read his word, and we're reminded in his word, it, it just fuels our worship to praise him for who he is and how he acts with his people. And so the one who seeks to live a, a pure life uh, must know the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not just something where you read the Bible and you try to do as best as you can to try to be a better person. You need the Lord God himself to work in your presence. So God has more for us. He, he is with us. He, he in, his, in a relationship with us. And so he reveals himself to us in his word. And of course, the more we get to know love, to know God, and the more we get to love God, the more we will hate sin. I mean, because what, what is sin? Sin is rebellion against God. It's falling short of his standards. So we can't love him and yet rebel against him. I mean, men, how many, I mean, how well is it going to go for you this week 
If you tell your wife you love her and then you do everything that she hates, I can tell you right now what it's going to look like at the end of the week. It's not going to be good for you guys, right? And it's the same way with us as Christians. We don't say that we love God and then rebel against Him. And so uh, as we read here, we see that the heart that is full of God's Word is a heart that has a disgust for sin. And the reason is, is that what is in the heart will drive a person's conduct. So the psalmist says, at the end of verse 10 and 11, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, uh, we need to hear that. You know, God's word sort of guards us against that sin. And it really also exposes and shows us our sin as well. We oftentimes think that we're not really as bad as we are, you know, and we oftentimes say that, well, I'm not that bad, or I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But, you know, we're a lot like the man who's sort of walking down the sidewalk at night, and it has been raining, and so there's puddles everywhere. And he's walking down the sidewalk, and a car comes down towards him, and, uh, or past him, and, and the car hits a mud puddle, and the man sees it, and he jumps out of the way real quick, because he's sort of, he's going... Uh, from his hotel to a meeting that's just like a block away. So he decided to walk. He's all dressed up in a suit, doesn't want to get messed up. So he moves off to the side. He's like, that was close. I about got spliced with muddy water. And he keeps on walking down the dark sidewalk and he thinks he's fine. And then he gets sort of to like, there's a street light down the way a little bit. So there's a little bit of light that's shining on him. And he looks down and he goes, oh, well, I guess I did get a few spots, but I'll just wipe that off when I get to my meeting. And then as he gets under the light, of uh, the pole light, that he realizes actually he has gotten drenched totally. His jacket is filthy. And that's oftentimes what God's Word does in our lives as well. We think, you know, I'm not that bad. But then as, as God's Word uh, opens our eyes, as, as uh, the psalmist said, he said, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As, as the Word of God exposes the motives of our hearts, as it is it uh, does things like we read in, in Psalm, or excuse me, in the, our uh, affirmation of faith today about bearing false witness. We think, yeah, I don't bear false witness against people. But then you look at the list and you go, oh, wow, I do that and I do that and I do that. And you begin to see your sin. And under the full light of God's word, it causes you pause. But God's word not only shows us our sin, but it also helps us in battling the temptation of our sin. Uh, Psalm 119.11 said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, the word of God actually keeps us from sin and protects us from falling into temptation. David hid his, God's word in his heart. In other words, he laid it up in his mind so that it would be ready when he, he needed that. That doesn't mean that David never sinned. We know that he did, but, but it did help him. The, the most effective way to prevent sin is to hide God's word in your heart. That, that way, whenever temptation raises its ugly head, as it did with Jesus, you know exactly how to confront that. And you can say, as Jesus says, it is written. God's word says this. And you can talk to Satan using God's word because Satan is going to talk to you using God's word. Did you know that? God will use God's word. Satan will use God's word. He will twist it. He will take it out of context, as he did with Jesus. And you see that what Jesus said in Matthew 4 was, you say that, Satan, but actually God's word says this, or God's word says that. And he was quoting what God's word says. And so 
That's what we need. There needs to be that sense that we know God's Word. We treasure it. We know it well. We're, we've been applying that Word to our lives. We've been living with it. We don't just know it intellectually. We've been living it. It's been forming our lives. It's been changing the direction of our lives. And so when Satan comes, we know how to use the Word of God. But then there's a sense of, of desiring to know God more. Look at verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. You see, David begins by praising God. He's so thankful for the word that is in his heart and, and just what it has revealed about God. And he praises the Lord. Um, but then he also goes on and he prays and asks God for grace to teach him more of God's statutes and more of his commands, more of what we, how we are to live. Because the more we love someone, the more we desire to please them. Is that not true? For those of you that are, that are married or have been married, you probably understand that. The more you love your spouse, the more you want to get to know them. You want to please them. You want to do their will. Uh, it just it brings such delight to you. And how much more with God as we get to know Him that it's like, Oh, Lord, your love is so great. Yes, Lord, I want to obey you. You see, that the single-hearted man seeks God so that he might walk in God's ways. And such a man realizes that he cannot follow God in his own strength. And so he needs to pray to the Lord at times. Lord, show me your statutes. Teach me. And so that has to be us. As we hide God's word in our heart, it's not just enough to hide it. In, in, in our hearts and to know the word, but we need to pray and ask the Lord to teach us and to show us that we might live as, as he is commanding us. And, and as you live such a life, young people, old people, middle people, whatever, all of us, right? As, as we live that life, there's a certain outcome. Our life looks a certain way. Uh, we, first of all, we begin to bless other people. Look at verse 13. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. You see, David was so full of God's word, and he took such delight in it, and he was so acquainted with it, that the word of God is just part of his everyday conversation. It says that he declared all the rules of, of your mouth. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as we fill our hearts with the word of God, not only are we blessed with, by that word, but then we begin to ooze that word out to other people, and they are blessed as well. And so if we will really want to help our young people as a church, whether they're your kids or they're just covenant kids as part of our church, well, the best way we can do that is to hide God's word in our heart and to be walking with a saturated word, uh, a, a life that's saturated with the word of God, that we're just oozing that out, that we're speaking to the kids. You know, that when we encourage them, you know, we're, we're, we're speaking the word of God. You know, and uh, and sharing that with them, helping them to see that living word in us, and and so the word of God is not only a, a blessing to us, but to others around us. Now, let me just make a clarification. There are some people who have memorized God's word, and they use it as a hammer, right? You know, people like that. You know, and they will be glad to just crush you over the head with showing you your sins and stuff like that. And that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about people who speak the Word of God. I'm talking about people whom the Word of God has first worked in their hearts. 
And whenever the Word of God works in our hearts, it humbles us. And, and so maybe you've known people who have been humbled by the Word of God. And so as they speak the Word of God to other people, they do so graciously. They do so gently. They may do, they may do so firmly. And they may rebuke us. But you know that they love you. And so you gladly receive that Word. And you're so thankful that they're so faithful to do that. Well, just looking quickly at the rest of the passage, verse 14 we see that, that, that David prizes God's word and, and recognizes what a treasure is, is, it is. He says, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. Uh, the truth is that the young man whose way is pure loves the riches of God's word more than the riches of the world, more than anything else. He rejoices in God's word more than any of the worldly possessions that he may get any of the, the educational degrees that, that he might get. Kids, let me ask you this morning, do you love God's Word? Do you love God's Word? Or when your parents come to you and they say, you know, it's time for us to memorize another verse, do you go, oh, not another Bible verse? Or if your parents, you know, quote a verse to you, Maybe during the week, maybe they're correcting you for something you did wrong and they're bringing God's word. Do you gladly receive that discipline? Or do you go, oh, not Ephesians 6 again, right? <laughs> Every kid knows Ephesians 6, right? You know, they could probably quote the whole chapter to you, at least the first part, you know, where the parents have, have used that so much in, in correcting your children. Or do you, do you delight in it? It, it, it could be so easy, kids, to grow up in the church and think that you're somehow missing something. Uh, you see your friends, maybe they're able to watch movies that you're not able to watch, and there's, you know, or, or you see people who have money, and you're thinking, oh, I wish I had that, and your heart is being directed towards these other things, right? But, but the Lord says that to walk purely before Him, to know Him, to have His Word abiding in us, is great riches. I, I'll tell you what, this came home to me when I was younger, uh, well, I, actually, I wasn't younger at the time. I guess I was in my early 20s. And I was actually hanging out with these group of guys. And uh, we were actually were having a church service in a park. And uh, these guys were, were pretty bad dudes, okay? I mean, they, had, they definitely had a, a past, okay? Womanizers, drug dealers, you know, all the, the whole thing, okay? Anyway, and here I am. I'm the church kid. I grew up in church, you know? And uh, so they're, they're giving their testimonies of how they came to faith in Christ and all, all their terrible lives and how Jesus changed their lives and stuff. And, and I was standing up there and they're going, okay, Rick, you give your testimony. And I said, uh, well, you know, when I was like eight years old, I was watching a Billy Graham crusade and I realized that I was a sinner and, and I asked the Lord to forgive me and... I became a Christian, and I've been in the church ever since. And I was like almost apologetic in the way that I gave my testimony. And uh, some of the guys were like, oh, that's okay, that's okay, you know, that's, that's fine. There was one guy there, he was like the baddest guy of all, okay? He had done the most. And he looked at me, and he had... He had tears in his eyes. And he said, 
sorry, he said, Rick, he said, I wish I had such an incredible testimony. He said, I have so many regrets, so many things that I have done that has hurt my Lord and my Savior. And he said, I just, I just wish I could have as great a testimony as you have. You see, God's word had protected my way. It had guarded my heart. And he had recognized that. And so kids, if you're here today, or parents, if you see your kids whose heart seems to be drawn towards the things of the world, pray for your kids. Pray for them. That the Lord can guard their hearts, that they can see what a blessing it is to be a covenant child and how the Lord has kept them from so much. Well, we read in verse 15 also he resolves never to be cooled towards the word of God he said uh, 15 16 I, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways I will delight in your statutes and I will never forget your words the word of when the law is written in our hearts kids it no longer is a duty but it becomes a delight if the law comes from outside of us, if your parents are having to tell you what's right and what's wrong all the time, it oftentimes is a duty. Okay, I got to do that. But as you hide the word in your heart and God's spirit begins to change your heart, it actually becomes a delight. It becomes a joy. Now, this is a wonderful song and, and truly... A delight to go through but you know let's just face it there are times when we struggle to value and treasure God's Word that's a psalm this lays out here for us maybe you're a parent that you didn't grow up in a Christian home so family worship what's that you know memorizing scripture well, I never even heard God's name unless it was used as a cuss word you know maybe that's where you're at and you're here today and you're feeling very inadequate in that or, or, you know, sometimes we just succumb to the, the time pressures and the things that we want to do. Let's just face it, sometimes we're just lazy, you know, and there's just so many temptations around us, any number of obstacles. But, you know, the beauty of all of this is that we have, as New Testament believers, the fullness of the Word of God in Christ incarnate. We not only have the written Word, but we have the Word became flesh john says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth and it is that son through his holy spirit that indwells us that gives us the desire and the will to do these things we not only have the written word of God to read and treasure and speak, 
but we have the Word of God incarnate. Not, not just as a, as a picture, not just as an example. We do get to see in Christ's life what it looks like to live out the Word, but we actually have His Spirit in our hearts. And so let us be reminded um, of the beauty of having God's Word in our hearts that, that we might know Him. Let me just close by reading 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Uh, parts of it he says John writes to the church and he goes I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one I write to you young men because you are strong and listen to this and he says and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one let's take just a few moments and let's just have a time of silence as we just meditate upon the word of God that's been preached and Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word that you've given to us today. And Lord, there may be nothing new that we have heard uh, said today that we haven't already known. But Lord, maybe our hearts are, are not given to your word. We just pray, or maybe we have tried and, and, and we have sought to, to memorize scripture and to meditate on it. And, 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 and we've just sort of gotten away from that. Lord, please bring us back. Uh, to where we need to be, Lord, to, to trust you, to know you through your word. And may you cause our love for you to grow more and more every day. We pray in your name. Amen.